powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you, everyone. Please sit. Thanks. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before I jump into the episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Bobby Luisi, the former capo of the patriarchal crime family turned pastor, was an incredibly successful episode. The feedback was immense. Bobby's a really interesting man to speak with. If you've heard the episode, he was brutally honest about a lot of things we discussed. So if you have not heard Bobby's interview, I strongly encourage you to do so after the conclusion of this episode. All right, so welcome to episode 139, and we have a great episode in store for you today. We have on the show up-and-coming musician Frankie Ray. This Florida native is turning heads with her unique brand of music, and we discuss everything from her incredibly original process for writing music, her early successes, and her future plans. Plus, we will be hearing her new single, Over Now. Now, she's an absolute fun lady to speak with, so let's get her out here. Duval Nation, please join me in welcoming all the way from Tampa, Florida, musician and songwriter, Frankie Ray. Frankie, hello. Welcome to the Derek DeVall Show. How is the weather out by you today? It is gorgeous. We have had a beautiful winter here in Florida. It's been in the 60s during the day, 50s at night, which is better than what we've had the past few years. It's been hot the past few winters. So <laughs> we're, we're excited to get some s- snippet of cool, cool weather. <laughs> nice, nice. So I start my interviews off the same way. Now, how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 world up to this point? So um, fortunately, I think being in Florida, I don't know if it's just tourism or or what it was, but we got back pretty quickly with with playing gigs. You know, a lot of a lot of restaurants had us, you know, setting up outside away from customers, but it almost got to a point where like, you know, once things opened up to people, they they needed music immediately, which was kind of a surprise. I thought it would take a few years for Florida to get their music back, but you know, even with people being distanced outside, they would still bring us in and they'd say, well, you're going to, you're still going to play and we're still going to pay you. You're just going to be over there. You know, at a lot of places installed house systems, I noticed throughout the pandemic, because it would allow the bands to perform farther away, you know, and not be near people, but the people in the restaurant could still hear it. So that was really cool. I can't really speak for a lot of other places. I know in May, I had some places asking me to come in to do live streams. You know, restaurants were still shut down, but, you know, they had so many people coming in for takeout orders and to-go orders and everything. So they would have music just play for those people. So I think Florida just had, you know, so many people still wanting to to hear the music. 
So mm-hmm. I don't know. We were very lucky. There were a lot of events, though, bigger events that I enjoyed that were canceled, like the NAM convention and a lot of songwriters festivals. Um, and those are things that, you know, give us a life for us songwriters. We love doing that. You know, it's more fulfilling than your average restaurant cover gig. So, um, you know, a lot of those were were canceled, but they're all coming back now, you know, and I think a lot of people started live streaming. I know Twitch is really blown up with musicians, which before the pandemic, live streaming wasn't as big as it is now. And now I have friends who make their living primarily through doing live streams like Twitch and things like that. You know, it's funny you say that. A couple of months ago, I had a cosplay model. She came on the show, and apparently every night she does a Twitch stream, I guess so. Cool. So me being, you know, of a certain age, I'm like, what the hell is Twitch? And if I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the interview, I, I'm part of the interview, she explained Twitch to me, and I'm like, well, that's getting edited out. I'm not putting that out in the world. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was it was cracking me up that I didn't even have any kind of grasp of what that was. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had no clue either. So it's nice to nice to learn new things. <laughs> I guess so. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born? What was it like to grow up there? I was born in Dayton, Ohio. I grew up in Greenville, Ohio, though. It's a little bit north. It's a little country town surrounded by cornfields in Ohio. And that was my childhood. And I grew up watching my mother perform. She was always in in cover bands and my aunts and uncles were always in bands as well. So I just kind of grew up in that lifestyle. You know, I used to go with my mom to go watch, you know, her friends play and watch my aunts and uncles play. And every time we had a family get together, it was the most beautiful thing. Like everyone would bring their instruments and we'd all gather around and we would just sing and dance. So I think I was very lucky that I grew up in that kind of environment because for me, music just, it just is what it is. You know, I I kind of early on, I kind of thought it was something everyone did. You know, everyone sings, everyone plays music. It's just something that everyone can do, you know? And as I got older, I started like, you know, talking to friends and, and just getting out there in the world and growing up and seeing that this wasn't something, this wasn't normal for families to just like all gather around with their instruments every night, you know? So I I grew up there. I grew up watching, you know, my family members sing and perform. And I I think it was just growing up seeing that it just kind of seemed like it was something that I was meant to do. And I always knew I wanted to do it. As a child, I grew up kind of always, anytime I would listen to a song, I would always picture myself either performing the song or singing the song or whatever it was, that's kind of all how it started. You know, I grew up and I started taking voice lessons at a young age. I learned guitar from my mother. She knew, you know, all the basic chords. So she taught me those. And then I just kind of at an age around like 13, maybe like younger, 12, 12, 13, I started writing my own stuff and then performing in choirs in school. Um, I was in the show choir I was really big into musical theater in high school, so I did a lot of plays, and I was, you know, into that kind of lifestyle, and then at a certain point, um, I would say late high school, I kind of just started really understanding that I just wanted to be a songwriter, and that was what I really loved doing, so I just kind of started songwriting, and it all just kind of took off from there. So songwriting leads into professional musician, is that my understanding? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know. And again, being in Florida, I'm so lucky that I live in a place where people 
you know, vacation here. And, you know, it's really rare that, you know, on a Monday night, I can go play a gig at the beach and it feels like a Friday night, mm-hmm. you know, or like it just feels there, there are just so many people there and, and, Cause they're all on vacation cause it's Florida and it's on the beach. Everyone wants to have fun. So I, um, you know, growing up seeing my mother perform and everything, seeing them do cover songs, I kind of thought, well, if I want to make this more lucrative. I could start learning cover songs and, you know, playing my own gigs. So I started really, you know, honing in on like guitar skills and stuff like that. And eventually it led into me buying my own PA system and, you know, just kind of starting from there, starting at open mics, asking places, how do I, how do I get in here? How do I, you know, perform here for a night? And they would tell me, and eventually it just kind of all snowballed. <laughs> it's crazy how things work out when you think of the timeline. <laughs> well, let's see behind you, you've got some absolutely beautiful guitars. How many, how many instruments can you play? Oh, thank you. So actually I, I just play guitar, but my boyfriend plays bass. So a lot of those bases are his. (laughs) Yeah. And we got a a keyboard over here that's his too. So he's definitely the the musician. He can, you know, read music and do all that stuff. I kind of just do it by hearing and I'm not as skilled (laughs) as I would like to be, but I'm still learning. (laughs) It makes you feel any better. One of the greatest guitar players who ever lived and still today plays. Yeah. Lindsay Lindsay Buckingham doesn't play with a pick. And he also doesn't know how to read music. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Play by ear. I love that you said that. Lindsey Buckingham is my all-time favorite. And actually, I used to work at Guitar Center. And one night after work, all everyone's like gathered around in a circle, like just kind of name dropping guitarists they know and stuff. And the manager said, you know what? I think the most underrated guitar player is Lindsey Buckingham. And I was just like, because oh, I love him. And my mom loved it. Like I grew up listening to Fleetwood Mac and mm-hmm. man, big love. I can listen to that whole like it's just insane <laughs> all right so that being said you know you play guitar your boyfriend plays keyboard and, and bass what is your process for creating music i usually start with a melody on guitar if i'm putting a song together i usually start with the melody now that being said i do journal a lot and I love writing poetry and I love writing my thought process out. So I usually start, well, I guess I wouldn't even start with the melody then if you really want to think about that way, because I usually have my journal out and I just write out ideas and poems and I do all this stuff. I find like fun little hooks, little like one liners that I think will work in a song. And I just kind of jot those out. And then once I get the idea of what I want to express, I sit down with my guitar and I play some chords and I get a melody going. And then sometimes, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but all of like my favorite songs that I've written have been songs that kind of, I don't know if it's some kind of divine intervention or like, I don't know, tapping into to something in the universe, but there are some songs that I've written that are my favorite. And I don't even remember really how I wrote them. It's almost like, you know, I have the melody And then I just kind of stare at the page for a minute and I close my eyes and I just think and I think about all the things I want to write about. And then somehow the words just come to me. It's almost like I'm having a conversation with someone. A lot of times, like the melodies that I write, I'll try to match what I'm trying to say, obviously, to to like the beats of the melody. But sometimes the melody that I have in my head doesn't match up with 
what I'm trying to say, like as far as the beats go. So, and I know this all sounds so jumbled because like just it's it's weird. It all comes to me at once, you know. So I'll have to change words around, and I, I don't know. It's it's so weird. Some of like the my favorite lines that I have. I wish I could say I remembered how they came to me, but they just, I was in that headspace. So I think the biggest thing for me is just allowing myself to get in that headspace. Everything's quiet. I'm thinking, I'm meditating, I'm getting all of my emotions, you know, going and then the the wheels start spinning. And then it's almost like the words just kind of blurt out and they just kind of fit with the melodies. And some of my lyrics have weird, I don't know. Some people said that I have weird ways of expressing things in my lyrics And a lot of that is because I'm trying to find words that fit with certain notes. Like if I have a high note, I don't want to have a word that has an E vowel because it's really hard to like belt E, you know, so I like try to make the make it a different word with like a longer vowel. So there's a lot of weird technical things that happen all at once. And it's really confusing to me. (laughs) I don't really know how it happens. It just does. Um, But it usually starts with with some you know, poems and and stuff that I have in my notebook. And then, then it goes to the melody on my guitar. And then once I've got that down, it just, it all kind of comes to me. Right on. So I want to talk about your 2019 album, Brave. Great tracks on there. All right. Including my personal favorite, which was the title track. I listened to it at work. It was very, very good. Thank you. Had a real early 2000s feel to it, like industrial kind of early 2000s. Yeah. So how long did the album take to put together first? We started recording the album in, it was July 31st, 2018. We finished the album by late December. And then the first part of 2019, we were all kind of doing some traveling. So the people who were mixing and mastering the album, you know, they were on trips and stuff. So it took a little time to do that. But the recording process itself actually went pretty quickly. It was from, yeah, July 31st to the end of December. So it was a few months, and then it took a few months to get it, like, actually, you know, mixed and mastered and get the photography together and all that stuff. But I was really, really impressed by how quickly Brave came together, which is mostly because the producer I had, Jocosis, he was just really on the ball. Like, he had a vision for everything, and I just kind of followed his lead and I learned a lot from him. So I was really excited how quickly it came together. How long did it take you to compile all that material for the album? That actually took years because I, you know, there's actually um, one song on there, Riches. And I wrote that song a long time ago. I mean, a long, long time ago. And I was going to put it on my first album, A Thing or Two or About a Dream, but we just didn't have the sound and you know, the people working on it, we weren't really coming up with anything. And then um, I played that song for my producer, Joe Kosis, And he said, like, oh, I, f- I hear like a bluegrassy kind of thing or like a backwoodsy. So we kind of turned it into like a little, you know, kind of country, kind of folky backwoods kind of song. I would not do my job to talk about your exciting new single over now. Where did the idea come to create this song? So Over Now was different from the other songs I wrote because it's actually about a breakup. And I normally try to stay away from those topics just because everyone writes about them. And so I, I wanted to write a breakup song, but I didn't want it to be your typical, like, you broke my heart. I was so dumb to believe you, blah, blah, blah. Like, I didn't want it to be that generic. So I wanted to, like 
concentrate the lyrics more to where I talk about specific things that upset me about the breakup. And I, I kind of wanted it to have more of like an edgier Alanis Morissette kind of sounds, more of like that angry kind of like to breakup song sound, which I don't ever usually write that kind of stuff. But I never really wrote breakup songs. And that was kind of the first big one that I wrote. And I think because it wasn't the typical generic, like, you broke my heart. I'm so sad, blah, blah, blah. I'm going through a breakup now. You know, because it wasn't that, I think it worked for my style. Because I don't like generic lyrics. Like, I like stuff that people can relate to, but I need to have something in there that, you know, is really specific. Because I feel like the more specific you make it sometimes, it's more relatable in that sense. I don't know if that makes any sense. But <laughs> makes makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what is the reception to the song been like? Really good. I think a lot of people have really been liking it. Um, I, I know there's this one part in the uh, the breakdown of the song where my vocal, like the, the patch that they put on my vocals kind of changed. It was more of like a grittier, you know, kind of grungy sound, which I don't have in any other of my recordings. That's actually a big thanks to my brother who took the song and he kind of I gave him like the raw tracks and he just kind of really took it and took it to a whole nother level. And he kind of added patches that I wanted and kind of that really gritty garage band sound. And a lot of people have, they really liked it, you know? Yeah. I think there's things that I say in the song, like I, I tried to do a new thing in the song where I was, instead of just making my lyrics like fit with the beat, I try to fit in an idea. Like there's one line that says in the second verse, uh, like my words were just a pathetic excuse to avoid blame. But I sing it like, like my words are just a pathetic excuse to avoid blame. Kind of like a like rap or like hip hop or something. I wanted it to da 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 da. So I, I've gotten a lot of good feedback for that. A lot of people like, they're like, oh, that's, what are you saying there? What? Like, are you rapping? What? <laughs> so I'm trying to do that a lot of my new songs too. Okay, Devon Nation, as a real treat and as promised, here is the latest single by Frankie Ray, and the single is titled Over Now.
Okay, so we just heard the new single. What's the first thing that goes to your mind when you actually hear it? The finish, when you hear the finished product? I hear someone who's been hurt. <laughs> someone who's been kind of angry. Um, but also someone who maybe has sense about their reflection of it. I know a lot of times when you go through like a breakup or something, you're when you're in the moment, it's almost like you, I don't know, your perspective is different. But now I hear it after the fact. And... I don't know. I really, it's, I wish I remembered really writing out those lyrics again, going back to what I said before. I don't quite, when the lyrics come to me, they just, I don't know where they come from, but they just do. They just come into my brain. And when I hear that song, I wish I remembered. I mean, I know what all the lyrics mean, but I feel like that was almost like a stream of consciousness kind of song. Like I was just getting it all out. So that's what I hear when I hear that song. And I do sound angrier when it's weird because I'm in such a better headspace right now. <laughs> does, does your boyfriend know that you are he's singing a breakup song about him? Uh, no, not about, oh, well, <laughs> I don't know if he knows it's about him or not. <laughs> I don't know. He probably hasn't heard it. I don't know. <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here. But we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Frankie Ray. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink? We'll take some super long deep breaths. Yep, you know. <laughs> Gluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. 
please give your attention to a few friends of my show, and we will be right back. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated, and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podtasticaudio.com slash easy. Hey, this is Patrick Baker, and you are listening to The Derek Duvall Show. Check out my new single, available on all major streaming platforms, and visit my site at patrickbakermusic.com. Nation, Derek and Mindy Duvall here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duvall Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun with Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBALL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. 17.9 cycles ago, us machines defeated the humans. Now, we're living the good life here in Droidston, Manitoba. Morning, Gif! Morning, Dust! But there's still the problem of human infestation. 
that's when it's time to call Human Be Gone. Human Be Gone. Wherever you get your podcasts. Human Be Gone. Hey, it's Presley Tennant, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find my brand new EP, 600 Miles, on all streaming platforms right now. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello, everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed: A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 139 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with up-and-coming musician Frankie Ray. All right, so you've been invited to play some pretty auspicious festivals, including one coming up in, I believe, April in New York City. I am so excited. Oh, my gosh. Um, I've never actually been to New York City. I've driven on the bridge, and I've seen the skyline from a distance, uh, but I've never – isn't the George Washington Bridge, right? The yes. two-decker, yeah. I've been on that – um, but I've, I've seen it from a distance, but I've never been in New York city. And I've always, I mean, I like my teen early teen years were in the early two thousands and that was when TRL was really big and like oh, everything, God. New York city was like a, you know what I mean? It just seemed like, you know, pre nine 11 and then even post nine 11. It just, I've just always wanted to go there. So my, I actually had an aunt who was friends with, <laughs> Someone who knew it was just, it was kind of like, it's crazy how this opportunity came to me. My aunt is friends with the brother-in-law of the woman who books the festival. Uh, It's not really a festival. It's a songwriter circle that happens, but he, I guess she shared something of mine on Facebook and he saw it and he said, my sister-in-law books for the New York city songwriter circle. I think she'd be great. And my aunt reached out to me. She said, call this number, say you want to perform. And I did. And I sent her some material. And there was a few things we had to do before we could lock in the, the booking. But we eventually we eventually did it. So I'm going to New York City in April for the New York City Songwriter Circle. So I'm super excited. <laughs> that's, re- that's very, very prestigious, I'm man. Excited. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm really excited. All right. So when I told some people that you're going to be coming on the show, uh, I put it out into the Twitterverse, and Twitterverse always responds back in kind. So they've had some questions that we're going to ask. Okay. And uh, we'll start with the first one. Uh, that is, who are your musical inspirations? Who are your who do your idols? So if we're going back to like my my roots, um, what I grew up listening to and just idolizing, it was uh, Billy Joel, Alanis Morissette, Jewel, of course, uh, Joni Mitchell, Melanie. Those are all the people that my mom listened to. And I just, I, especially like Alanis Morissette and Jewel, you know, their lyrics, there's just something when I read it, that's when I became obsessed with writing specifically in lyrics, Billy Joel, his melodies, everything is just so great. 
Um, and then when I got a little bit older, though, and finding my own influences, Ingrid Michaelson, I really I feel like a lot of my music falls in line with her. You know, she's got these just really intricate melodies. Sarah Bareilles is another one that I kind of feel like I'm in line with her. And then some local artists like um, there's a local girl named Jerry X, who I just grew up loving her because, again, her lyrics are so honest and so true. And they're they're all storytellers. Like all of my influencers are just people who tell stories with their songs. It's not really about vocal technique. It's not about guitar technique. You know, it's just the songwriting. Like, do they write songs in a creative way? Do they write lyrics that are creative? Not just your typical, like I said earlier, you know, like, oh, I'm so sad. You broke my heart, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was so naive to fall in love with you. Just all, you know what I mean? Like, I want people to actually tell me exactly what happened to you in your song in a poetic way. Alanis so does that very well. Uh, she does. She does. <laughs> and there are some songs she has, and I'm reading, I've, I mean, I, there are some songs she has. I've like devoured her lyrics <laughs> front, back, left to right, east to west, north to south. Like, and I don't know what they're about, but I can interpret them in my own way. It's, it's almost weird. It's like they're so specific that they're relatable, but they're so specific to where anyone can interpret them in their own way, which is, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's just, I've been obsessed with people who can write really, really good lyrics in a way that's creative. Next fan question is, what was the first album you ever bought? First album I ever bought? Well, I do know the first album I, well, this is going back to when I was uh, seven years old. I received, oh, what's her name? Amanda... Lewis, she had that song, um, I love you always forever. Oh, Leon, no. together. Yeah, that was the first CD I received when I was a child. <laughs> and I remember I got uh, my first little CD player, portable CD player with the headphones, mm. put it right in there. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love you always forever. Oh, it's gonna be stuck um, in my head now for a couple hours. Thanks. For I that. know, and that's. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember I used to sit there in front of my mom's stereo with headphones on, singing it, pretending I was in a recording studio, <laughs> even though I was seven. So that was the first album that I received. Um, but the first one I bought on my own, um, I'm trying to remember because albums were always like my Christmas list kind of thing. So even as a teenager, all the albums I wanted I'd get for Christmas. But I, I do have a memory of buying The Killers Hot Fuss when I was a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. So I was 15 I bought that album on my own. And I feel like all the other ones I had before that were albums that were purchased for me for Christmas. So I think the first album I bought myself with my own money was The Killers Hot Fuss. Yep. And then the first one that I received as a gift was the Amanda or whatever her name was. It's not bother you, is it? (laughs) It's going to bother me. Did you find her name? No, not yet. (laughs) Okay. When you do. (laughs) All right. All right. So next question from the fans is, do you prefer CD, vinyl, or streaming? Man, I hate to say it, but if you're asking what I prefer, I hate to say it, it's streaming because it's just most convenient. I'm in my car all the time. If I'm at the gym, I'm not going to carry my CD player with me. I don't even have one. Do they even sell those anymore? <laughs> Buy, their own. Buy it at the Goodwill or something. Um now, sound quality, you know, vinyl, if I'm sitting around the house or something, mm-hmm. 
but even, you know, what do I have available to me? CDs, you know, I have those, but everything available is, yeah, mostly it's, it's, I'm going to prefer streaming because then I could just put it on through my Bluetooth speaker. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Next question is what tracks do you get asked to play the most live? I get asked to play Theodora mostly. And I, I love playing that song. It's so upbeat. I actually had a, there's a bartender at a place where I play and she has me, she requests that be my closing song every single time I play there. And I play there once a week. So I close out every show with Theodora when I play at that place. And she, one night she screamed out, that song helped me get through my breakup. That's why I want you to play it all the time. So yeah, Theodora is the one I get the most. All right. Last fan question. Who is your dream collaboration? Gene Collector. Dream collaboration coming off the top of my head. Well, I would say Harry Nilsson, but he's passed. Okay. But yeah, but he's passed. Um, I'd say Billy Joel. Billy Joel, <laughs> just me. I know. I don't, I just, I've always loved Billy Joel. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Do you know what's funny? I have many, many musicians on my on my show. Musicians are my favorite guests to have, just for the record. Nice, cool. And I ask, and we get to ask so much, you know, because music is a part of my life too. I've not, I've asked that question, and not one person has said Billy Joel. So congratulations. Really? Oh, I'm yeah. glad I answered that. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking people who were alive who I was, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah, I had some austatious person once say Beethoven, and I'm like, oh, really? Everyone, like, <laughs> <laughs> really? It's like anyway. Come yeah. On. <laughs> so you are technically a professional musician. So where does the majority of your revenue come from? As you can, you know, make a living, you know, doing your dream, basically. Like, how does that work exactly? It's uh, it's all those cover gigs, man. The those gigs down here on the beach. I've said it before. You know, I'm so lucky to live in an area that has tourists that want to hear live music on a Monday night. You know, most of the revenue is is just from those those cover gigs. And here in Florida, it's like I open up my groups on Facebook, and there's just tons of people like I need a fill in for tonight, or you know, our, our musician has COVID. We need someone to fill in for tonight. And you know, who, who needs a gig, who needs a gig? They just, they need entertainers down here. They want them and they love them. And I'm just really lucky to be here. So my revenue just comes from going to restaurants and clubs and bars and, and playing songs for people. And I play covers and originals, which is even cool. Cause I can play my own stuff. What do you enjoy most about performing live? I'd probably say the best thing was just being able to play my originals <laughs> and still get paid, you know, because obviously I'm not playing all originals for four hours. That's normally how much you, how long you play either three to four hours. And I don't know if I have four hours of original music, but my favorite thing is when I'm at one of my spots where I've been playing for a long time and all the regulars know me, all the bartenders know me, and they start requesting my original stuff because they've just heard it on Spotify or they just bought my album or something. So that's always just really, really cool. It's a cool thing. All right. Yeah. So I asked, now you just mentioned that you prefer streaming. So this next question gets a little more technical. Okay. okay. I ask every musician who comes on the show this next question. And mm-hmm. that is, what are your opinions on streaming services? Well, I kind of think it's like a double-edged sword kind of thing. I understand that because remember, I grew up in like the LimeWire era. That was when I was in high school. I graduated in 2007. So I I definitely remember learning about 
how obviously how bad it is to see other people's music, you know, and me being a musician, I know how bad that is. And I know that streaming services don't necessarily treat the artists well unless they get, you know, billions and billions of streams. So unfortunately, I don't think I don't think it's the greatest thing for the artists, honestly, because you don't have people buying albums. They're just streaming the song once and then like, nah, it's not like where it used to be like if you wanted to hear the single on your own, you would either record it with a cassette tape on your like stereo or you'd go out and buy the single CD, you know, which is much cheaper and everything. But at least then you're still buying a CD. Unfortunately, I, I definitely believe that it's it's not the best for the artists. But at the other the other end of it, though, is like I can put my music. I mean, I, I have people who listen to my music and know my songs and I don't have a record deal. I don't have an agent. I don't have anyone pushing for me, but I can release my music on a big platform like Spotify or iTunes or Apple music or Pandora myself, some Pandora, you know, I can release my music there. And at that point it's like, who knows who can hear it? You know, it's kind of just like, who knows? Someone could just be flipping through and they find your music. You don't need to have a record deal And then an agent has to go pitch you to a bunch of stations. And then you got to hopefully people will hear it on the radio station. It just doesn't work like that anymore. So unfortunately, I don't know. It's 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 there are good things and there are bad things. You know, you know, the amazing thing people are getting noticed now. It's not through agents. It's not through pitching It's people are tagging the DJs on Sirius XM. Oh, wow. And people are getting their stuff on Sirius XM on different channels. Wow. I mean, there's like 50 billion channels. Yeah. So people, that's what people are doing now. They're tagging, you know, these DJs like, hey, have you heard my thing? And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, that's, just, okay. you know, that's, that's life. But I've had so yeah. many people come on the show say they got their start by tagging the DJs on Sirius XM. Wow. I had a friend who just had her stuff released. She had a song released on Sirius XM and it's gotten like, I mean, it's blown up and she just mm-hmm. released the album. So I wonder if she did that too. Yeah. I'll have to, oh, I'll have to check into that. Thanks for yeah. that. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So that being said, and minus the festival that's coming up in New York City, what's next for you? Well, I am going to release a single at the end of April. There's a couple things I'm working on. I have a couple. So- I wish I knew what the single was going to be. I have a, a couple songs recorded and one that I want to record. And I don't know which one I want to like really release as a single yet. But my goal is the end of April. It's going to be after my New York thing. Uh, but within the same month, I want to release a single. And then I have a songwriters festival that I applied to, but that's not going to be till June. So hopefully we'll see if we get into that. And then I want to just keep up with my regular festivals, like the Pensacola beach songwriters festival, Frank Brown songwriters festival. I was going to apply to South by Southwest for next year. So that'll be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. The NAM conventions. I always try to go to those whenever I can. Mm -hmm. So, and those are just now starting to come back after COVID. So This year, I think, is going to be the year to, like, apply for all that stuff now that it's finally back. So hopefully by 2024, I'll be able to get into those into those festivals. But I think at the end of the year, I'll be at uh, Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival, Frank Brown, you know, all that stuff. Okay. All right. So as we enter the final phase of this interview, I always like to ask one fun question. That is, you know, Frankie, what do you like to do for fun? What do you do to relax? I have recently uh, taken up an interest in taking care of plants. 
So I've been buying a lot of plants and repotting them and propagating them. Also, I've um, really started enjoying going to the gym recently, which I didn't used to like doing. Now it's kind of therapeutic for me. It's, it's addicting. It really is. It's it very really, addicting. I love, I love going to the gym, working on plants, um, and then cooking. That was another thing during the pandemic that I started doing that I didn't really think I was that good at. Like, I could make a few things, but um, I've just been really loving finding new recipes and learning how to make them. That's pretty much it. Yeah, so cooking plants and, and working out. All right. <laughs> so what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? So I'm really uh, big on social media. I always try to post on Instagram and Facebook. My social media handles are at Frankie Ray Music. Twitter is at Frankie underscore Ray. So I do post on Twitter too. And then my website, FrankieRay.com. That's how you can find the links to all my social media, news updates. Uh, my show calendar is up there as well and everything like that. So FrankieRay.com. Perfect. All right, Frankie, I am my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth? Hold on. Give me a sec. I have it like in my head. Okay. Stop believing everything you see on social media. <laughs> Stop. I just saw something today. Someone was outraged about something. They shared an article. I clicked on the article because I was outraged too when I saw what the person posted. But then I looked at the article and I saw that it was a parody slash satire page. Was it The Onion? No, it wasn't The Onion. <laughs> it was a Twitter page that was literally labeled satire. Mm -hmm. And what they had done was they had said that uh, the song, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, they yeah. said that people were outraged because natural woman goes against whatever, I don't know. And people were outraged at people being outraged. But here's the thing. No one was outraged by it. It was a parody website. It was a parody Twitter site that was saying, ha, 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 we're mad about this song. You make me feel like a natural woman. And then it just spread like wildfire. And now all these people are saying like, oh, people are mad about this now. But no one actually is. I think there are there are trolls that are on there who are saying like, hey, everyone's mad about this. Get mad about it, too. But it actually doesn't exist. It's like the Starbucks cup thing. No one was actually mad that the cups were all red. There were just these pseudo journalists going on and writing articles about them. But that's just like one. That's like it's the same as if you go to a bar and you hear this person next to you just saying stuff. Are you going to take that person seriously? No. So don't take all these stupid articles that you're sharing on Facebook seriously because it's created so much unnecessary drama. <laughs> I would love to be a fly on the wall at Carol King's house when she, that article must have come out. She's like, what? Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Also, for the record, real quick, that artist was Donna Lewis. Donna Lewis. I love you always forever. Yeah. No, I was right. confused with the man of Marshall. She was another one who I grew up listening to, too. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. The single is over now, available wherever you find your music. Frankie, good luck to you and stay safe. Thank you so much. I had fun. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of episode 139.
I want to thank Frankie for taking the time to come on the show and speak with me. We had incredible chemistry. And honestly, what a delightful woman to speak with. Check out her work wherever you can get your music. And maybe down the road, we can hear from Frankie again. She is destined for greatness. I can feel it. Trust me, I can. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go and hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the Amazing Tea Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there. And with everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have some really fun t-shirts on there that Mrs. Duvall and I added. There are some truly fun ones, so please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on Tea Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, take some time to enjoy the spring we are having. Smell the flowers, enjoy the sunshine, and remember, we are all inhabiting this space rock together. So let's be a little nicer this spring season. No star, God bless, and see you next time, planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.